are we going to spend this whole season with these soaking kits? <laughs> it, it, it makes us look even worse than we actually are. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Bottom of the table. <laughs> Welcome to a brand new season ripped apart by Saudi Arabia. Like bested physically, technically, and tactically. Like folded, I would say, under the Sports Direct St. James's Park stands. Mistakes, sitters missed. Like a thoroughly, thoroughly unenjoyable 105 minutes of football. I mean, I put a tweet out at halftime, just before halftime, and I said... This is a shambles, and not everyone, not everyone liked that. You know, people were saying that there's mitigating circumstances. I know, I know, we've been unlucky with injury. I know we got even more unlucky today. I know, I know, we missed big chances that we should have scored. But I also know when a team is off it. I know when a team is miles off it. I know when players are outmatched. I, I can see when the setup is strange, when boys are out of ideas, and when they're. When they're playing on scramble mode, and that, that's that's not just in defense, not, not, that's not just in all the bloody mistakes that were being made, that's an attack as well, just the sort of desperation that you're feeling from the team. Scramble mode, and like, that game today was a concoction of everything that can be bad about any performance. I think, I think it was a thoroughly deserved 5-1 hammering session. Actually, the way that game panned out, I would have just taken 5-1 the way it was going. Good to be back, Liam. <laughs> I, I woke up this morning and was fucking delighted. I mean, what could be better? The sun was shining. I had a game in the afternoon myself. Villa were back in the early evening. I nearly ran into the fucking living room shouting, Mum, Dad, the season's back! But, but I don't think my wife has ever seen that video and she's neither my mum nor my dad, so it probably would have been wildly confusing. So I left it. But but don't let that confuse you, Connor. I was excited. First thing I did after that was burn me porridge. Burned me porridge. Like I, I should have gone back to fucking bed. Then I was late for football, so I ran in the midday sun, ran to my game of football, got there. Nobody else is on time anyway. Shouldn't have bothered me fucking whole. And then the game starts, pulled me groin almost immediately, stretching for a shite pass from a shite bag. And then this fucking wanker pipes up and decides to insert himself into my Saturday, fucking running around crying. Somebody whinging on a football pitch is the wor- easily the worst thing in the world to your own teammates. Like, when has anybody ever played better or done anything better because somebody said oh come on move it play it like, can, you, can you imagine if you were in the office on monday and someone said oh for fuck's sake come on work type like it's it's <laughs> it's so fucking annoying that it can lead to a perfectly tranquil person like me asking do you have any friends outside of football like, I, i'm just worried about you because everybody here thinks you're a cunt so, so then all of a sudden i'm playing football for another hour with that atmosphere hanging over the pitch and i'm the fucking bad guy Hanging over everyone, like, hanging over the whole fucking the whole of East Wall. But but again, like I let that go. Like my, my wee fucking football season was starting back up in the early evening, so it doesn't matter. So you, you can imagine how I felt when I get a text from you asking me to explain the Bailey decision. Like I, Im- imagine how I felt watching that fucking embarrassment of a performance. It was utterly pathetic. It was horrible nonsense, and that had me fucking sitting in my living room, whinging like an arsehole. Oh come on, move, play it. 
And that brings me to ask you, do you have any friends outside of football? <laughs> there, there, Not there, anymore. Yeah. There was a moment in the 11th minute of first half injury time. 2-1 down, don't forget. Martinez has just been booked. I, I think he was time-wasting. I think he was time-wasting from the goal kick. 2-1 down, don't forget. And Martinez lumps this goal kick forward. Just, just hits it forward. You know, 2-1 down, don't forget. John McGinn, <laughs> Ollie Watkins heads it out to the wing. John McGinn is trying to usher this ball out for a throw-in. We're about 40 metres away from the Newcastle end line. We're on the left sideline. And John McGinn is trying to block a Newcastle player off for the ball to go out for a throw and we're 2-1 down and yeah. it's a fucking Newcastle throw it's a Newcastle <laughs> throw <laughs> and, and this is a moment that everybody will forget it meant nothing where it was his half time soon after that to me I was just like what is happening What? how have we come into the season yet again at such a low pitch like it, it, it meant nothing you're saying it meant something to me because I was watching it and I was fucking watching these cunts coming back out in the second half as well to see if we were going to try and see this game out at 2-1 down and they fucking were starting the second half we were doing the same thing Dean was wasting time rolling the ball forward not taking the, the free kick it was fucking shambolic Martin is coming over they had it marking his dallying on the ball trying to suck in a team that are sitting at the edge of their box because they're 2-1 up and this is how they play <laughs> Right, where should we even start here? We've got six goals to try and rattle through, and I don't feel like even going through them all that much. But the first one was Tonali. I mean, how disappointing is this? Like, obviously, the Buendia injury so unfortunate for Aston Villa, so unfortunate for for Buendia, especially the timing. But the optics of Tonali coming through and scoring a goal when he just got beasted out of it in the friendly only a few weeks ago by Buendia himself tracks back trying to make amends makes a mug of himself plays everybody onside Buendia really bossed that game but he wasn't here he's not going to be here for most of the season I need to bloody move on but 1-0 this was I mean we, we can we can start anywhere really at any point in any category with the Bailey conversation as well but I mean how have we, how have we gotten how have we gotten into a third season now? I I I don't I don't think like anybody out there anymore. There, there would have been people last year as well. And look, we wish them all the best and we want them to come good. And people would have held on hope to the form and the flashes that we would have seen in the highlights reads of Leon Bailey. I don't think there's anybody left of that anymore. And especially not a villa when to rock up this in James's Park, playing a 4-4-2 with Leon Bailey basically backing up Matt Cash at right back for the whole game. I mean, like you're talking there about playing football earlier on. This is the sort of thing that would be a disaster in five aside. Like th- th- this, this kind of marking you when somebody plays the ball three meters inside. Leon Bailey looks at that ball, completely forgets about the man who played the ball, lets him run in behind him. Like at no five aside team at any level could cope with somebody being that bad defensively. That tuned out. Anthony Gordon gets through, and he's able to he's able to just cross it across. I don't think. I don't think Luca Dean is aggressive enough for coming after the ball, but you know, it's not like it's in there. It's a good connection from him. I don't forget about John McGinn and any of the insider all before that. <laughs> you know, diving in, getting done by the fake shot. That was horrible looking. But I mean, this this goal was so bad from a Leon Bailey point of view. I think people will probably give John McGinn not a bye ball, but just give him a break for this one. Well, I'm not going to be one of those people. Fucking John McGinn putting his arse by a fullback. Fucking pathetic. I mean, he's at the corner of the box, pal. He's not shooting himself, so why are you shitting yourself? 
fuck me. And then Douglas Louise decides to get back into position after Gumerius has had an unopposed shot from the edge of the fucking box because yeah. he was lying on his back looking for a belly rub, feeling fucking sorry for himself because Sonali beat him to the ball. And then <laughs> Leon Bailey, done by a 1-2 after telling Cash to leave it. I've got this under control, Cash. You get back into position there. Yeah, that situation is much under control as like Bondor had his weight under control when his boyhood club were getting fucking relegated. And that's how that made me feel watching that fucking 1-2 corner of the box. That you know what's happening as well. That's why you've come back to stop this. Yeah. And then it's a decent cross. Not sure how it lands behind both centre-halves in the middle of the fucking six-yard box. Not quite sure why Dina hasn't tucked in to cover for those two. Not quite sure why Kamara hasn't warned anybody because he was just standing there watching that fucking game. He could see everything. <laughs> and there was a little green shoot of hope after it. It reminded me very briefly of the game at Anfield towards the end of last year when it was chaos. The home team were all over us and then we just got our foot on the ball. The control that we remembered, we can just pass it to these players. These players, hopefully very soon, we'll be riding them again to the high heavens, talking about how easy football is. Look look what happens when you take a touch and you turn around. They remembered that. They remembered it for about three minutes, I'd say. And it was it was a lovely bit of football. It was Douglas Louise opening the whole thing up with a nice outside little bit pass up to Luca Dean. Gets a bit of look, a bit, a bit of luck with the pullback cross. I don't think he meant to pull it back. I think Watkins does brilliantly. He knows what he's doing there. He knows he can't shoot. He can't generate power. He'll get it across the box and bang. There's our new player, our new Diaby. Probably the best, the best point of today. Not just that goal, but most of Diaby in general. Yeah, I think you're kidding yourself there as well, Luke. On the we had three minutes of good possession. Saudi Arabia went out, got their goal, and then sat off, which is which is their want, and that's how they play football as well. And then we were able to control the ball in front of that well fucking done and it's it's absolutely brilliant it's absolutely brilliant for doggy to first look for the right pass and then to play it excellently and it's brilliant from dinya to look for the right pass as well he gets really lucky with the deflection i i don't know why he bothered to look up if he was planning to play it off trippier's horse and i think you're right Watkins knows exactly what he's doing he knows where the overload is and he's knocking it into that space and it's deliciously controlled finish from the Abbey, who must be wondering what the fuck have I let myself in for? <laughs> I always think that you know when you have new signings, you're like, uh, especially when they're playing well. You, Yuri Tillman came on there, and it was sort of what you were describing in your football match. He was complaining, and, and things were a complete mess then at that stage throughout the second half, and the ball was getting away from everyone. He was kicking it away as well, plenty of times himself, but he had his hands out. He was flopping around, so it didn't feel as bad for him. It was Diaby, it was Pau Torres, it was like, ah, nah, nah, like I promise this is going to get better. Please just stick with us. Please stay with us until the deadline's closed so we know we've got you for six months. <laughs> <laughs> then Newcastle reasserted their control and they get back in front before half time. And it's it's Isaac. It's, it's just a, it's a, it's a worked free kick. Tenali plays a nice ball around the back. Botman gets it across to Isaac. Um, Dan Burns trying to keep cash onside. <laughs> I think there's a bit of a bit of an explosion, a bit of debate around us now. Uh, my my take on it is, I don't think Matt Cash is trying to get back to cover for that run. I don't think he's trying to stop Tenali or is trying to stop Botman getting across there. I think he's trying to get himself back onside, and I think Dan Burns helping him get back onside. 
this isn't the, the first time the cash has been sucked in that deep. He was playing the fucking tine on side, and that's that's desperate from a dead ball. Like when you're the opposite fullback as well, looking at the line and not even having to move your fucking eyeballs to also take in the set piece taker. That's that's unforgivable. But there is absolutely no doubt, Conan, that if if that was Diago Dallo running into Lucadinha and Lucadinha holding them back. That's being given as offside. There's absolutely no question about that. There's no way that Dan Byrne hasn't interfered with Matt Cash trying to get back into where the fucking ball is going. I don't think he was going to get there, but I guarantee you different teams playing there. That, that, we've seen them given, let's put it that way. We've actually seen them given precisely for that reason against Aston Villa. Yeah. But, but all- then the, the commentator explains it all. He explains it all for me anyway that, you know, it's it's the Villa set piece coach standing on the edge of the technical area. Why get him out of there? Like the last <laughs> thing I want him overseeing is a fucking defensive set piece. Like we are dreadful. We are one of the worst teams in the league. Only Burnmouth were worse than us last year. And look, I know people people might be inclined to say maybe Emery knows more about football than you do. And I'm a big enough man to admit, Conan, maybe he does. But what he <laughs> what he doesn't have is my experience. I have 18 months on Emery and watching this lad fail to get the grips with this massive problem of ours. I had fucking three months of watching Matty Cash look like he was trying to throw a balloon off a fucking bridge because McPhee convinced Dean Smith that throw-ins were the final frontier in attacking set pieces. And, and look, McPhee doesn't not look like a hypnotist. And, and, and I'm not fucking ruling it out. And 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 this, this is an odd day to praise Emery, but I can't fucking figure out what in the name of God someone as smart as him is doing with this lad. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. And then, (laughs) just started getting out of control. And when you look back chronologically... There is a case to be made, and I don't want to make that case because I think Villa were terrible. It's the same with this offside argument or not. Yeah, Dan Byrne was probably interfering, but it's like Newcastle were going to score five goals, whatever way they came. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame they came this way then after the big sitter, which we'll talk about in the Ross and Award. 
and it came from this mistake. This is the one then that let the game get away from us. It's Ezra Konza. It's Isaac again that scores it. You look back at this. I mean, uh, uh, Ezra Konza, yeah, the commentator said it. He's read, he's read the situation well. He's gotten there first. I know he's trying to take the ball out. And he just leaves the ball behind. And the worst about it is, Isaac isn't even touching him. He's not, he's not even touching him. And I think that freaks Konza out a little bit because he's leaning, looking for the contact. And as he's leaning into him and like, the striker's just back watching him do this, Konza just misses the ball. He's trying to drag it out. He doesn't need to be dragging anything either. Like, I know he's he's decent on the ball, but he doesn't, he doesn't need to be doing that. Not there. Not in your own box. And like, it's, it's a lovely finish. You have to say it is. It's so, so tasty. But fuck's sake. Like, and that's the game over, really. Like, it's the game over the way Villa are playing. It wasn't this goal that's let the game get away from us. It was the players and the management. So, like, not that nonsense in the head. And Kanza does do so well to realize how deep Cash is again. Like, his positioning is brilliant. And he, he, <laughs> he sprints ahead to get back in line with fucking Maddie Cash. And his footwork was brilliant. And he did read it really well. But don't stud roll the fucking ball when you're the last man ever. And the most dangerous player on the pitch is breathing down your neck. I mean, the, the pressure of a game, the intensity of a ground, that like, they get all add to your head being scrambled. But you'd think the fucking opposition player licking your neck is so close to you should snap you back into reality. And yeah, it's, it's a brilliant finish from Isaac. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I don't even know what happened with the other two goals. I mean, we all knew Harvey Barnes was going to score and we knew it was going to be that exact goal. It was going to be a high line. Nobody following him in behind where <laughs> Matt, you would say where Matt Cash should be, but he's not playing in that position anymore. We'd move to a 3-5-2. Talk about that later. But it's just rolled into that space and Harvey Barnes rolls in. Like, oh my God, this boy must love playing against Aston Villa. This is crazy. <laughs> like, what, what, is, there, is there anything that anybody in the entire history of the world would love more than Harvey Barnes loves playing against Aston Villa? <laughs> crazy. Like, every, just oceans of space. He must think, he must think Aston Villa the team Aston Villa is just a half, a half empty pitch, just just <laughs> space on their half of the pitch. He mustn't, he mustn't think they have any defenders. Ball just rolled in down the left channel, runs on, always has time for a nice first touch, always takes a nice first touch, always buries it, and it's it's that easy for him. And he could have probably scored a few more. He set up the Wilson goal that was the fourth one, and he probably could have taken that on himself, rolled it across to him, and. And Wilson put it away, and then he rolled it across them for another chance that Wilson should have scored as well. But, but my God, like this is crazy! How, how often this boy is going to keep Villa should have just spent a hundred million just to stop Harvey Barnes scoring against Aston Villa. They should have just bought him, even if he wasn't going to play. Although, <laughs> looking at the team today, I don't understand how he would never play for Aston Villa. <laughs> every game. So uh, you've actually got the good. The Wilson goal was before the Barnes goal, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but both of them were from Harvey Barnes. I mean. Like the Wilson goal just just reminded me of the end of a casual five aside game. Like it's that's yeah. that type of goal that makes everybody say, "We call it a day there, lads." And and the unspoken bit is these cunts have stopped trying. What's the fucking point? Like watery, weak nonsense. Like that was a that was a really tough day at the office. Like pro- probably a massive shock to the system to be so wiped out by the opposition who you thought you were at the same level as, and to have been so badly let down by your manager as well. But you have to keep running. Like, yeah. there's never any excuse. And worse than that, whenever everything else has gone against you, it's all you have. Like, it, it's really tough mentally. But I want my footballers to be really tough mentally. <laughs> like, it, 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 it almost certainly wouldn't have made any difference. But I want my players to fucking find out if running would make a difference to the outcome of this game. 
yeah, we need to start ruling some stuff out, and let's start with running. And then once, <laughs> once we know running's not the problem, we can get down to other things. And uh, look, let's leave that there. We've got loads to talk about in the award categories, but first we'll go to WhatsApp winges. It's been a long summer, not finding anybody, but my God, these boys are lining up to not get their week's wages. So let's just rattle through them, will we? I've got, I've got a new find actually that we need to start introducing. It's for any occasion that it takes over twenty seconds to take a throw in when we're behind. <laughs> this ball went down the right hand side. Emmy Martinez sprints out to get it, doesn't take it, gives it to Diego Carlos who comes over to take it, doesn't take it, gives it to Ezra Conza. Who spends a lifetime before throwing it to Douglas Louise? Again, we're behind in this match. Get the fucking ball into play. A very specific fine that I hope will never come up again. But it's it, the really annoying thing about that was I could see why Martinez didn't take it because the Saudi Arabia players did close down the space. But then once they see Martinez isn't taking it, they drop off and Martinez has to turn around and take the ball off him. He absolutely yeah. has to. Yeah, crazy. And then there were loads of these classic, you know, the ball going into touch. Ezra Konza tried to hit one over maybe Isak and then hit it out over Matt Cash's head. Uh, look at Dean, the old classic cross from the left-hand side. It was so deep when he was crossing that ball. It went out for a goal kick at the far side. And the annoying thing about that was I don't think Dan Burns anywhere to be seen. And Diaby looked like he was going to be free at the back post. Terrible cross. Martinez out for touch when he was trying to find look at Dean like in that classic hitting the fullbacks crown of the head trying to keep it in John McGinn tried to cross field ball to look at Dean <laughs> didn't reach him there is a common denominator here though even though I don't think it's his fault but he's popping up <laughs> on a lot of these uh, Tielemans terrible first time pass I think he was looking for Diaby went straight out for a goal kick and then the worst of them all it's Martinez again like Matt Cash does some really good work to get the ball under control finally and he gets it to Martinez, who just balloons it out. He just does what Matt Cash could have done all along. He just hits it straight out at the right back spot, out for a throw in. Under oh, you're 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 happy with Matt Cash's Matt Cash's decision to give that to Martinez five yards away whenever our left back was in in forty yards of space, the other side of the box, and then Matt yeah. Cash has the fucking temerity to point to Martinez and say, "Why didn't you play it to him? Why didn't you play it to him, Matt? Let's fucking yeah. go!" Yeah, like they're both wrong. They're both like Matt Cash. Yeah, you're right. Shouldn't have played it to him. You know, but Martinez also should have just looked to the left too and played it over. The first WhatsApp wins though. Does Matt Cash know that you can challenge someone without coming through the back of them first time? <laughs> you know you can challenge someone by staying on your feet as well. My God, he had a fucking dodgy first 15 minutes. And, first 15 and maybe... minutes? <laughs> I'm only I'm only thinking about I'm only thinking about um Anthony Gordon's performance in the first 15 minutes because Matt Cash went out of his way to make Anthony Gordon look incredible and that made the commentators keep talking about how good a performance Anthony Gordon had even though he did nothing after those first 15 minutes. But all I was thinking is Matt Cash just smashing into me here. They let him know he's here like the big man. Just take a fucking ball off him. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, let let him know you're there by taking the ball off him. <laughs> much better way to let him know you're there no he doesn't have the ball he doesn't have a free and he has to chase you back he, like, he'll know way better that you're there if you take the ball off him and run up the pitch 
There was one as well where he did actually stay on his feet and it was inside the box and he left a big, strong right leg there and just planted it in the ground and the guy ran into him. But he was play, playing so badly at that stage that I was thinking, Jesus, Matt, I don't think you'd be fucking risking those types of tackles. Not in your box, please, mate. Yeah. I love that we had to play most of the game with our fullbacks on yellow cards. I mean, look at Dean's one, which is so unnecessary as well, wasn't it? The ball was out for a throw-in. Almiron was trying to pick it up and he just sticks his foot in to poke it away from him. Like, what? It didn't, it didn't even waste much time. If you want to do that, at least put the ball as far away as you can. Like, well, it didn't slow Newcastle up. <laughs> Certainly didn't slow their performance up. Yeah, and like I think it was one low stage as well. We were 2-1 down. What do you do? What are you doing? Like, it's not like he was stopping a, a quick throw in either. It was it, the right winger had it. There was nobody in advance of him. It's fine. How many more times does Bailey have to give it away before he gets whipped off? Uh-huh. <laughs> crazy. Absolutely crazy. I wrote this. Like, how kind am I? I only wrote this after he gives that ball away to Isak that led to a big chance for Newcastle. But he, he did that same move over and over in the first half. And I finally cracked at that stage, like he should have been taken off long before he even made that mistake. But just him like, not even looking to go up the wing anymore, just stands with his back to the right-hand side and rolls it inside to nobody. And he goes, ah, oh, and spends the first four seconds, you know, regretting his pass and well, you know, never going back to actually help out. It was the other thing he does is he tries to chop inside incessantly. Has Leon mm-hmm. Bailey ever stepped inside and retained possession? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, so, he's so weak. He, he couldn't break a fucking... Couldn't break a line in a game of Red Rover at his Wayne's primary school. I mean, like <laughs> that that Isaac when he kicked the ball into the halfway line straight to Isaac, straight to Isaac, Isaac who was in twenty yards of space, and he fucking stood there, which is bad enough on its own because it shows how lazy he is. But he threw his arms out as if to blame his teammates, which shows how fucking stupid he is as well. That was that was unbelievable. Like it's. It was such a stark image. What the fuck did he see there? Yeah. We should have agreed on the pronunciation of Isaac Isaac before we started recording. So I feel like now every time you say Isaac, you're being passive aggressive towards my pronunciation. (laughs) We'll talk more about Bailey later on. The third and final WhatsApp wins. Are we going to spend this whole season with these soaking kits? It, it, it makes us look even worse than we actually are. Like, they're, they're fucking drenched. I, I thought there were 11 Ross Barkley's running around right there. <laughs> I, I, sent you, I sent you this picture a few weeks ago when you were like, oh, they're out in, they're out in America. It's preseason. You know, warm conditions. They're all just getting their bodies back. I think it's the kids. That doesn't sound like something I would say. You might want to check your WhatsApp feed there. That wasn't sent to me. <laughs> I think it's the kids. I think, and I don't like jumping on the Castori bandwagon. Well, actually, I have no feeling either way if people want to slide Castori or not. But the point is, I don't see this with any other kids. I don't see it with Ireland. I don't see it with Wolves. I don't see it with, with Rangers that watch any Rangers matches. But I don't see these other teams absolutely drenched. Like Villa players are running around soaking. Like they, they look like they can't cope with the pace of the match. I mean, you put them into a game where they actually can't cope with the pace of the match. It looks horrible. We had these boys out there today. Whatever kit they were wearing, they were going to be struggling, let's face it. But then you add in the optics of them looking like they were just swimming around in a swimming pool of their own sweat. I mean, that was awful looking. And I think we're going to have to look at this for the rest of the season. 
<laughs> I mean, you're being very fucking kind there, saying running around, soaking. They were just soaking. Like that, that was the worst thing about it. Like I, I would understand this. I would understand the kids struggling with a bit of sweat in the extreme heat. But they were in fucking Newcastle, not moving. Why the fuck were their tops soaking? <laughs> it's the kids. It's the kids. It really is. We need to. We need to have a thing about this. Like I know this is funny to talk about and whatever else. This is serious. I don't want. I don't want. What, what's it going to be? 50 fucking images, 50 games of Aston Villa looking like this for the rest of the season. What team is going to be afraid of playing Aston Villa? This is how they look after playing <laughs> 10, 10 minutes of football. Because we all know nobody was afraid of fucking Ross Barkley either. So, yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> all right, let's leave that down. We'll go on to the category. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa, the Villa podcast. podcast. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. And do these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. I guess it's time to find out what Uncle <laughs> Jimmy's really made of. Fucking psychopaths. Let me mourn. Sherwood gets the job. England go to the World Cup. Lose to Belgium in the group, beat Colombia, beat Sweden. Do they beat Croatia? I know you think they do. I know, <laughs> I know you think that Tim Sherwood beats Croatia. Dean Smith is a roller coaster fan. Dean Smith has <laughs> never, never met a woman that he fancied and didn't tell her. I feel like I have to explain to her. I, I do enjoy supporting Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> His first year at treble winners, Baron, they were beaten 5 0 by Real Madrid in the Champions League. He didn't even win the double in his second season. Oh, but he played Philip Lam out of position. You know who didn't play Philip Lam in midfield? Treble winner, you pinkers. Do you know who had to play Philippe Coutinho in midfield? Treble winner, Hansi Flick. The son of a Monte Carlo banker gambles that a non-consequential footballer standing over the most consequential kick in the sport is going to open up his body and whip it across into the side net. Yeah, I, I went through all those scenarios and stuff that you would say and stuff that Jared's obviously thinking and, and then I just wrote down, just figure it out. Like, it's not my problem. <laughs> you figure it out. The hills are alive with the sound of people talking absolute shit. Big welcome back to the Ronnie Rosenthal Award as well. And my God, is this a competitive category today? It all started with Emmy Martinez' save on Tanali after the goal. I mean, it's a good save. Uh, Villa were scrambling at that stage. They were scrambling for most of the game, but we didn't know that back then. Emmy Martinez kept us in the game. Do you know what? Let's just go through all of Emmy Martinez's saves because there's probably, it's true, there's a school of thought out there about the chances Aston Villa missed, but <laughs> Emmy Martinez definitely kept that scoreline down to five today in fairness. To him. <laughs> <laughs> he had a really good save on Isaac as well. If we're going to agree that it's Alexander Isaac. Um, this and this all started from Douglas Louise. Uh, Douglas Louise tried a John McGinn shot from about 40 yards out, but it was the most pathetic one of all time. At least John McGinn's always ballooned 40 yards over the ball. This one just hit a defender at the edge of the Newcastle box. Such a tame shot, it landed down at the defender's feet. 
Newcastle broke and, <laughs> and they went away and it was Emmy Martin as a stopped Isaac and it was also Emmy Martin as that made that brilliant save on Callum Wilson as well. You remember Isaac coming in behind Pau Torres and looked like he's ready to get his hat-trick but it was a good save and the best one I think was, was on Callum Wilson. Yeah, the best one was on Callum Wilson. The one on Isaac was was absolutely brilliant. And the one on... The I one understand on Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the one on Tonali was just like everything we just talked about with Leon Bailey. Absolutely pathetic. Just tried to turn inside three players. Terrible decision. Lost the ball immediately. Lay on the ground crying about it. Fucking unbelievable. And I don't want to give Eddie Howe too much credit here, but... He almost certainly identified that as a as a problem. Leon Bailey gets on the ball, or that's a problem for Aston Villa, of course. Leon Bailey gets on the ball, you get on, you get over to that side of the pitch and take it off him. Just take it off. Yeah. Him. He was just stripped of the ball about five times. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Our first chance really was our first breakaway. Tyrone Mings came running around. It was so strange, wasn't it? Like we were under so much pressure, and then suddenly Mings just passes forward and Diaby is through. It was like it was like Harvey Barnes playing against Aston Villa. <laughs> Diaby was just <laughs> through into space and Anthony Gordon they were really praising him here in the commentary he did well to track back it's what you want to see in your player you track back when nobody else is going to get there but what I'd be saying to Diaby there is like yes he's tracked back but it's Anthony Gordon just take him on take it past him and score he gave him a bit too much respect and tried to shot from from a wide angle he was never going to score from it was a great ball from Mings, but why the fuck was the only player on the pitch that can keep up with Diaby tracking back? How is that situation developed? And Diaby, you're right, he obviously just doesn't know the league, didn't know what he was being tracked by, and he should absolutely not allow himself to be forced wide there. And that, and I don't have the shot either. Once you've gone that wide, yeah, like, what is it? He's asking a lot of himself, maybe just fucking recirculate it. Yeah. Oh, Holly Watkins. Favourite loves this. <laughs> Bailey was involved. He just rolled it up the line to Diaby, but he did it. He rolled it up the line to Diaby, and Diaby gets it across to Watkins, and it's just what can you say about this connection? I mean, that, like it was vomit and Jason, wasn't it? You could feel how bad the connection was. Like that—that's the sort of thing where you'd rather you wouldn't even want to score hitting the ball that way. It just it just feels awful coming off your foot like he did that. That that was bad. That was really bad. It was Bailey-esque. I mean, it, it was it was <laughs> dreadful. Like the, the, there is literally nothing I would ask the Abbey to do different either. Either, and that's counterbalanced by by what I might say to Holly Watkins if I was ever given the chance. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sleep on the Douglas Louise header from Luca Dean's corner. This was a massive <laughs> chance. What was like? He was going up and trying to beat fresh air. He was under pressure by fresh air. He was reaching. He was climbing up. He was throwing the top of his head at it. Nobody was behind him. Nobody was in front of him. He 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 created a conflict in his own head, and he just got anything on this free header. Created a conflict in his own head that he fucking lost as well. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was they couldn't have connected with it any worse. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I always remember an argument one time in the changing room after a game where somebody was talking about some player roasting one of our players. <laughs> the boy came back. He's like, what are you talking about? You were marking space and you got roasted. <laughs> space roasted you. Like, that's what happened with Douglas Louise here. Uh, ah, the Abbey, nice one too with Douglas Louise. Nice pass back from Douglas Louise. It's very sharp. 
and he's just going for the near post. And fair enough, but my God, he really, <laughs> it didn't even get close to the post, did it? It just, it just felt like I oh, missed by a lot from the chance that was presented there. And it, it's a, it's just a simple give and go. Andy Hinchcliffe told us. I mean, it's an absolutely brilliant ball from Douglas Louise to take yeah. out three players. And now I'm about to agree with Hinchcliffe. So, you know, keep an eye on that. If that happens many more times during the season, it might be time to wrap up the fucking podcast. But he's right. The Abbey shouldn't be going to the front post there. It's not like Pope has sold himself or anything. He's standing at the front post. So even if he don't hit it off the back corner of the side netting, it's not on anyway. Because Pope is just standing there. Yeah. Speaking of Newcastle chances, uh, Holly Watkins, I think it would, this would have been their fifth before he got their fifth. Holly Watkins got one off the line from Jolinton's header. Brilliant clearance off the line. And then Matt Cash, Matt Cash, Matt Cash. This was particularly infuriating because he just moved them up into wing back. And I was like, what? What has Matt Cash done today to suggest to you that you should be putting him even further forward? You should get him on the ball terribly. even more. That's what. Defend him terribly, that's what he's putting him forward. <laughs> that's a good point. It's a very good point. But, I mean, his very first chance comes immediately. Diaby breaks away and brilliant break from him. And, uh, I mean, Watkins, Watkins sits down, Botman. I mean, Watkins should be doing better there. Like, it, this, it just doesn't fall out to Matt Cash for what will, uh, hopefully, and I can't imagine it being beaten, be our biggest sitter of the season. I'm looking at Ollie Watkins there thinking, why is he hit such a tame shot at Nick Pope? Just put that away yourself. But anyway, it comes out straight to Matt Cash, open net, Ronnie Rossenthal, there it is. And he couldn't have missed by any more if he tried. Yeah, I think Watkins gets really lucky that Botman has turned into a fucking hologram as well. I mean, like, Watkins doesn't shift that ball particularly well. And I think that confuses Botman. And he falls over, and and the finish isn't isn't much better. I mean, I don't know what Pope was playing at batting that away. He should be catching that. He shouldn't even be diving after it. Like it's nowhere near the corner. What, what can I what can I add to the Matt Cash calamity? The Matt Cash didn't add himself during the fucking first half performance defensively. <laughs> Matt Cash is the winner of the Rossenthal Award. Let's go to the Peter Enkelman What the fuck award for the first time this season? We have to look at. One incident in the first half. I don't even know if you remember this, but Leon Bailey won three headers in a row <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the corner of his own box. And every single time he headed that ball into the Newcastle number 10 position, headed it across, sat it up for a Newcastle attacking midfielder, and the ball just kept back to him. And he kept, he kept getting up in fairness. He kept beating people to the ball, and he kept heading it back across to the center of the box until eventually... I think it went to Gordon or somebody like that who then tried to shift it to the left and they ended up kicking it out of play. So maybe Bailey deserves a bit of credit. His head's heads stopped the ball going down his channel anyway. At least he just he just wanted to give it to, <laughs> to Kamara. He wanted it to be his problem instead. Yeah, Leon Bailey won three headers and I lost the head three times fucking watching it. It was absolutely inexplicable. What was that lad playing at? But you're right, maybe we should be happy that he just got rid of the ball, got it away from himself as far as he possibly could get it. Ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, whenever he first went up and won the headers, I was like, oh, Jesus, go on, Leon. And then I saw where the fucking ball went. And then the headers got progressively worse and progressively more <laughs> dangerous for Aston Villa as well. Absolutely ridiculous. We already talked about his pass to Isaac. That's another nomination for the What the Fuck Award. We already talked about Kanza for the Isaac goal, which would be hard to beat, to be honest. But 
Um, oh, there was one then in an attacking sense, the ball's coming out, coming out to Matt Cash, the boy you say you wanted to see further forward. <laughs> into the box, he lets it bounce over his head. I mean, how can a professional footballer at this level be misjudging a bounce of a ball so badly that it bounces over his fucking head that he has to turn around and he slips as he turns around to get it? And I don't know how, I don't know how he ended up being a free kick for this, but it was very lucky. It's not like Matt Cash doesn't have enough fucking practice of the ball going over his head either. He should be well aware of when a ball's going to go over his head. This happens four or five times a game with a fucking plonker between our sticks and goals. Absolutely, I have no idea what the free kick was given for, and it didn't look like the Saudi Arabia player did either. It's strange, but they just didn't care at that stage, obviously. Yeah. There's one shout-out for just from the 70th minute. Kamara just wanted to pass the ball to the Abbey. This is what the fuck for so many reasons, just because... Mara, I need more from him. Don't need him under hit pass from around a counter attack. And also, like, sorry, have you not watched seventy minutes before that? Like, what what indicator did he have from from Diaby that he couldn't just push that ball in front of him into the space? Why is he under hitting? Never under hit a pass to Diaby. Get that man running. I I absolutely cannot believe that Kamara stayed on the pitch for the whole for the whole game. It was it was incredible. He, he's a disaster absolutely disastrous defensively and then he was doing things like this constantly on the ball like under hitting the pass when there's at least 40 yards behind the abbey as well yeah. like it's it's not only is he gonna get there there's so much there's so much latitude you've got here to get this wrong <laughs> just push the ball into the space it's on and it, it took him so long to to play the ship pass as well like the pass was on. like the abbey made the run twice for him it's like play the fucking ball yeah Exactly, exactly. Just play the ball. The, the, the winner here is going to be Kanza, or it's going to be Bailey's pass to Isaac, or it's going to be this one, which is Emmy Martinez getting the yellow card coming out. I don't know what he was doing. It was Pepe Reina-style stuff against Leicester that time when he just appeared, when the cat was just panning down the pitch, and then your keeper is at the sideline. Like, what is happening here? And <laughs> he, he, he gets to hold of Amaron. I mean... Uh, yeah, Almiron does dive, but he's being held. He's being fouled. Like Martinez is freaking out. I don't know if he needs to freak out because, I mean, <laughs> number one, he, he does have Torres and he does have Kanza back there. Anyways, it's definitely not a red card. I know Newcastle fans wanted that. And number two, look, this isn't this isn't the first half of last year when Miguel Almiron was the best player in the world. Like, forget about that. Bulgy <laughs> is going to come. I told I, I know I told you this during his hot streak over and over, but I told you he wasn't going to keep this going. So <laughs> just just let him run down that wing and get back. There's just three of you there, really. There's already two back there. It's fine. You probably you probably told me that it was going to dry up and mix in with some conversation about fantasy football. So you'll forgive me for forgetting that you had said it. But I, I'm uh, on yeah, the Abbey bandwagon. You should know. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I should is, is is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. But like, yeah, you're right. It, it absolutely, it definitely wasn't a red card. Maybe if Almiron still had the ball where Martinez has fouled him, you'd think, oh, Jesus, that's just a question to be answered there. But Almiron's kicked the ball into the corner flag. By the time he recovers that ball, if Martinez doesn't drag him down, he's in the corner flag. It's not a goal scoring chance. Absolutely not. Yeah. And you're saying we we had the two defenders there covering. They can't use their hands, though, either, Conan. Like, you know, it should be one of those two out there with fucking Almiron. What the fuck is Emmy Martinez doing there? And how has he misjudged it so badly? And you're saying he probably doesn't need to pull him down. What do you want him to do? Fucking track him into the corner and try to tackle him like a fullback? That is the last thing I want to see Emmy Martinez trying to do. <laughs> Let's see what he's made of. 
But uh, Martinez was getting these wrong all game as well. There was a couple of headers where oh, it was just a couple like, of oh, headers. Yeah, they were just coming on top of his head. Yeah, fucking Matt Cash stuff. I was like, judge that better, mate. There was yeah. one where he, he headed it straight to Almiron there. Obviously feeling, obviously feeling a bit uh, guilty about dragging him down. Where he just heads one straight to him, and Almiron hits a shot, goes through Matt Cash's legs for some reason. Like, and I'm all, I'm all for the high line and sweeping, but I want them to be able to judge the flight of a ball. That's what he was going to be doing. Yeah. Is there any beating the Kanza? What the fuck moment though? The Kanza one led to a goal. I think I do genuinely think the Leon Bailey one is is worse, but the Kanza one leads to a goal. I, th- I think missing the ball by trying to stud roll it is not as technically bad as looking up and picking out the opposition centre forward on the halfway line with 20 yards of space. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Congratulations, Andrew Kanza. Do you like Glenn Whelan taking night they've made a penalty award? Let's start with well, this is I suppose this is you know two nominations in one. It's obviously playing Leon Bailey. <laughs> it's, because of that, this made this made it all worse. It's compounded the Leon Bailey decision. John McGinn on the left. I mean, did we not watch the the humbling of Newcastle, that wasn't that late. Like, that, 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 sorry, that wasn't that long ago. That was towards the end of last season. We hammered Newcastle at Villa Park. John McGinn was one of the best players. He absolutely destroyed Dan Byrne. Why have we taken that that face-off away? We saw Dan Byrne's reaction when he came face-to-face with John McGinn for a free kick very on. He's pushing him. He's like, get you out of the way. You're not going to annoy me today. Like, John McGinn's inside Dan Byrne's head. And we moved him over to the left. Where has John McGinn even played on the left of Villa? I mean, there's just so there's so many ways this could branch out. We could talk about Leon Bailey was playing. We could talk about for Leon Bailey to play. We moved John McGinn to the left. We moved him away from Dan Byrne. We ended up playing 4-4-2. John McGinn wasn't even not only not on the right, he wasn't in the number 10, he wasn't in the midfield. We just stand on the left doing nothing, couldn't use his arse. I missed his arse. This this was like pick, pick, take your pick here, but the Bailey decision. And John McGee on the left, like they're they're really the heart, the, the nub of this nomination, and I hated both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's it was so strange because there's absolutely no doubt that if if Wendia hadn't got injured, he would have played, and Leon Bailey wouldn't have played. Leon Bailey is in no way a replacement for Emmy Wendia. If you think your best team is Emmy Wendia, which based on preseason and based on the players that were available. That, that is certainly the case. Why the fuck are you playing Leon Bailey instead of him? And then why are you messing up the shape of the team more generally because of that? Because he can't do the role that you would have had, Emi Buendia, playing. And yeah. don't get me wrong, he was absolutely fucking woeful when he came on, but why is Telemans not playing? Well, like, Maybe he was looking at that thinking, if I start if I start with, with <laughs> Telemans, I've literally got nothing on the bench. Like, I, can't, I can't turn to Leon Bailey to get me out of trouble. So I'll just start and see... See if I can get away with having him on there. See if he doesn't get me into too much trouble. And then if he does, when he does, I can bring on Telemans. But the, the, the John McGinn, you're being so kind to John McGinn. Like I, I don't care about his position on the pitch. I care about his quality on the ball. Like his movement, his effort. His his position was on a football pitch. He didn't look like he was a professional footballer today. Like, they unbelievably poor performance from our captain. He wasn't. He wasn't moving like John McGinn does. He was on the ball. He was dreadful. If he, if it wasn't so stark, he would nearly be nominated for the Ashley Westwood Award, particularly in that second half. Was, imagine John McGinn was an absolute 
nailed on getting taken off during that second half. There was no way John McGinn could stay on that pitch. He was playing so poorly. That's, that was a captain. Yeah. And, yeah, and that, that's that, not just because he's left wing, Conor. That power that Diego Carlos ended up coming on for him, big centre back comes on for John McGinn, and that's probably the next nomination. Like, why did we switch to a three-five-two for for about ten minutes? I don't think that worked in any way whatsoever, and not just because Matt Cash is missing open nets. Just I don't know what the thinking was there. I'm sure there was some thought process behind it, but I think Matt Cash is on one side. Look, Dean. Look at Dean doesn't move on the ball. That that's the thing that annoys me with him. You can remember Diaby tried to play him in of such a like, great, great vision to spot him on the left hand side. He just tried to play that ball through the entire Newcastle defense from the right. He, he saw him like he thought, "Is Diaby going to take a shot here?" And he knew look at Dean was free. But there was another stage when look at Dean gets the ball in that position, and no matter if he's in the box, if he's got a chance to actually move in on goal. When he receives the ball, he takes a touch, he stops, he stops moving, and then he'll just try and cross it to somebody. He'll try and pull it back. It's he's a bit annoying in terms of a three-five-two option. I, I don't, I don't see him as your outlet coming from from wide. And also, just haven't really seen his play that way. And I did. <laughs> you're right. As much as John McGinn probably needed to come off, I didn't like having to bring on a centre back for him. It was like, ah. <laughs> so is, is Matt Cash and look at Dean going to be better options than John McGinn going forward? I like. I would argue not. Like, let's just put John McGinn into a different position. I know it's not the biggest problem, but let's let's try something else rather than trying something with these fullbacks who aren't playing too well. Let's be honest. Yeah, and uh, yeah, look at Dean can't move. That that is his biggest problem. I mean, you're saying he doesn't move. He, I don't think he can. Like he's he's facing up those Saudi Arabia players, and they were absolutely rabid. And he's thinking, I can't go past these guys. I have to just move this ball away. How many times did he just swing the ball in because somebody was closing them down and just hit off them? Probably only two or three times, but it was pretty annoying when it happened. But like, yeah, we moved to free at the back, didn't work. We tried to shift John McGinn across, didn't work. We we pushed Matt Cash further forward. With he couldn't figure out the shape. He couldn't figure out the shape that Saudi Arabia had, and then we gave Saudi Arabia everything they wanted as well. I mean, like we we might as well have been managed by Jake Humphreys. There was such a level of subservience today. It was it was unbelievable. We let them do whatever they wanted. Like. Letting them drop in and get into their shape, letting them exploit our high line. I can't, like, I cannot believe how poor. I, I, I can't emphasize it enough either. We looked like we looked like we were at the end of a training session and we were just being forced to put in an extra an hour's training on the pitch in the heat just to test our fitness levels. That's what it looked we like. We fucking looked that way, all right. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Yeah, let down by the managers, let down by the players. So, so irritating. All right, let's go to the Vyman meter. It's probably pretty obvious who he thinks going down and up. I've got three that have highlighted to go down, but he's not going down anymore on this meter. Uh, Matt Cash, agricultural cash is back. We talked about this at one stage last season. I can't remember when, but he's just getting the ball at one stage and absolutely hammering it forward. He wasn't doing that today, but he just looked like that's what he wanted to be doing. He looked like he'd be way more comfortable doing that. I've got Ollie Watkins going down. You said about, I don't know who it was. Was it John McGinn you were talking about possibly mm. being the Ashley Westwood award winner? The Ashley Westwood, oh, he was playing award winner. I think it's it was Ollie Watkins. I know he missed a sitter. I know he got the assist, so it sounds a, a bit, you know, uh, hypocritical or, or contradictory of what I'm saying, but 
it's Jesus, Ollie Watkins wasn't in that game in in many ways at all. Like in terms of open play, it seemed like he was completely swallowed up. Don't entirely blame him either. Like it was obviously Villa weren't playing well, but there was just no connection with Watkins and the rest of the team. And it's it's unlike him and the team as well. Even when we are cutting Watkins adrift, we can still hit him some balls down the channel and usually get on the end of them. But this is what I mean. We we gave we gave Saudi Arabia everything they wanted. We let them get back into their shape. We didn't move the ball quick enough. We were trying to suck them out when they weren't coming. We were just standing, dallying on the ball on the halfway line. And then anytime somebody did press, fucking Saudi Arabia just won the ball back. So I don't know what we thought we were doing there anyway. But because they had they had their ten players back in thirty yards of space between the edge of their box and the halfway line, there's absolutely no way Ellie Watkins was going to get into that game. We were so bad. I don't. I don't like slagging off the centre forward. It's not like he did anything wrong apart from that massive sitter. He, he just there was. We didn't get the ball to him. We were dreadful, Conan. We were absolutely terrible on the ball, the players, and the shape that our players had as a team from the management. There's no. There's no way Ollie Watkins could get himself into the game. All right, like we can assume everybody probably going down. Like, I've got a couple that that I, that I could highlight, and I don't think Torres counts anymore. Was going to put him up a lovely. It was his second touch, his first touch, where he kicked the ball straight out for a throw, and I won't forget that one. <laughs> the second touch is absolutely lovely under so much pressure, just the way he spun out. There was a stage where Torres was controlling the game. He obviously sprayed a couple of nice passes over to the right, but just at one stage, Douglas Louise was obviously pushed further forward. You could see Emery talking to him. And then Torres was like the midfielder boss in the match. They kept playing it back to him. He was telling people where to run. He, he, Kamara was like, come on, in here, and then I'll play it to you, and that was happening, and it kept coming back to him, he was feeding everyone, he was he was running the show at one stage, but then maybe, maybe can go up with just that fourth goal, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a Newcastle player ran over the ball by mistake, and then Torres ran over it with him, because he was following the Newcastle player, so I don't know, maybe we should just keep him on, on a par for now, and he only played 60 minutes really anyway. Yeah, and he had one serious defensive action to carry out in the field. I think it was the fifth goal. And like once once Pau Torres steps in there and misses the ball, it's a goal. And why he misses it is is beyond me. I mean, he's he's a fairly lanky fella, but I, I don't think that explains the ball just drifting past his body. I don't know what's going on there. I think it was fucking Jacob Murphy as well. You can't be turning up for your debut and getting done by Jacob Murphy. Jacob Murphy missed the ball and Pau Torres gets done by it. Of course Jacob Murphy misses the ball. Not Jacob Murphy. Was he on the fatigue? Come on today. Jesus. Jacob Murphy, the man I didn't know in the last game. And then he went on this hot streak. He's on the pitch now, ripping it up, like running over the ball that he's trying to touch. <laughs> Back on form, as you'd say. But look, while we're on the fucking Vimometer and while we're on this goal, Kamara... <laughs> Come on, come on, and We talked about this goal in part one. Kamara drops in five yards behind the defensive line just to make absolutely sure the barn stays on side and then stands back and admires the fucking fruits of his labor as four other Villa players run past him. And, and this includes Pau Torres, who's just nutmegged himself from Jacob Murphy accidentally nutmegging himself. He gets back past Kamara, who's got a five-yard head start playing everybody on side. And he just stands there and looks at it, looks at Harvey Barnes run through. I mean, he's only had one season of watching Harvey Barnes run through. I don't know why he's still mesmerized by it. <laughs> All right, Kamara's going down too. The only person, well, I've got two options. One's definitely, I think Gabby's definitely going up and the other one is Emmy Martin. It probably sums up 
how bad Villa were today. I think Emmy Martinez deserves to go up after conceding five goals. I don't think he can go up. He made a couple of good saves, but he was like, come on. <laughs> we just talked about him coming out and drop, getting underneath the ball. He had to pull down a winger on the right wing who run past him. Nah, no way. Like right. He was too yeah. stark. He was time-wasting when we were 2-1 down. Look yeah. at Dina as well. That little cunt's going down. There's one stage in the second half. We were losing 4-5-1. And he's diving because someone brushes their hand across his face. Like, how long until the transfer window closes? Get rid of him if that's how he's dealing with a humiliation like this. I, I didn't like that at all. That, that's back to the the old days of looking weak and, you know, and then that flakiness. We always use the word flaky. Like, that, that's what that was. It was like, yeah. Like, I, the annoying thing about that is that it wouldn't be up there on the pitch. It would say, get the fuck up. We have to chase this ball. Get up. Come on. Like, we all, we all know what you're at. Get up and get after the ball. Yeah, pathetic. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. <laughs> Who do you think came up with the strategy for Jason Tindall and Eddie Howe to rotate in and out of the touchline? I think this this was obviously spoken about. Let, let let's share the time out there. How did that come up? Was that was that Jason Tindall bringing that to Eddie Howe's office? And look, I think this will work well if we can rotate in and out. You know, whenever I saw this over the summer that they're bringing the, in this rule, <clears throat> I was thinking this is brilliant because Jason Tindall's been given as much fucking coverage from the Villa podcast as his body has from San Tropez. And, and maybe <laughs> now I won't have to talk about it. Maybe, maybe Connor will finally stop bringing him up. And then I was thinking, it's probably fucking Eddie Howe pushing this through in the back round, fucking calling in favours. He just he just keeps following me around. You, you, you gotta help me out. Look at that. I'm afraid of what he might do next. He just stands there grinning. I, I don't think he has anything to be happy about. But then I realised it was actually probably the fucking Saudi foreign, foreign minister. I mean, like, let's not forget this is a sports a sports washing venture. Like, like, do you know how difficult it is to get fucking fake tan out of your seats? Quite difficult, I would imagine. I have absolutely no idea. But you, you can't you can't be trying to portray this clean image to the world and then hanging out your fucking orange sheets. It's absolutely ridiculous. But then I watched the game and he's there. He's just there. There's cool. there one time whenever an Emery went over and said, why is there two of them talking to, to the fourth official? And the fourth official didn't seem to know that this rule has been brought in. He was just mm -hmm. fucking probably mesmerized by this shining, glowing white of Jason Tindall's teeth. <laughs> Yeah, like, I was disappointed to see it not being enforced properly. There was at one stage that you could see that how it was going back when Tindall was going out, but it wasn't. It wasn't happening. Like it was, and and actually, when I say going back, they were just at the back of the technical area. It's supposed to be one person in the technical area. Everybody else, fuck off. Like know your place in the world. There's a manager, and there's not a manager. There's a manager, and there's everyone else in the club who isn't the manager. One of you will be at the touchline. One of you will be in the technical area, and that'll be the manager. And yeah, look, in a game where you lose 5-1, I wanted to see Jason Tindall very firmly put on his place, but that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. He was allowed to roam the streets of St. James's Park all he wanted. <laughs> only, other, only other question we can't answer, but probably will. Were you surprised Harry Kane went to the Bundesliga? <laughs> Come on, like, of course he's going to Bayern Munich. It's Bayern Munich. Like they're they're one of the teams that can win the Champions League. Like why why do you think Pep Guardiola rocked up there? Like they, yeah. they get to the last eight of Europe every year, and they only get knocked out by 
City, Liverpool, Unai Emery's Villarreal, Madrid, or Barcelona, you know, fucking Spurs got to the top eight of England last year and got knocked out of European places by Brighton and Hove Albion. And, and the other people were surprised by it. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're probably going to go there as well. Harry Kane wasn't going for the top scorer. He hasn't even caught Tony Cotty yet. He's going for the top <laughs> scorer in the last 31 years. Who gives a fuck? That's not a thing. Most goals since Greg Dyke decided to attempt to increase his fucking profit margin. And and we, <laughs> we of all fan bases have to promote that because I'm not living in a world where fucking Gabby Agbonlahor is an Aston Villa record holder other than for fucking most pies consumed during a relegation battle. Like, you know fucking Ashley Young is two years older than Flabby. Like, fuck me. Like, like, we can't be having him as our record goal scorer. Anyway, like Bayern Munich are a fucking juggernaut of a club. And it's not remotely remarkable that one of the best players in the world wants to play for them. Like, what is remarkable is that it appears a load of memes created by 14-year-olds has gotten to him. You know, the Declan Rice one game, one trophy images. We're just, we're just too much. And now he thinks he'll be judged more kindly by history if he finishes ahead of Dortmund. Dortmund, who lost Bellingham this summer. And fucking Guerrero, of course, who they lost to Bayern Munich. Like, it, it, it only counts. It only counts if he wins the Champions League. And that's the thing. And like, I have no doubt that challenging for the Champions League and winning the Bundesliga will feel great. You know, I want to win every game I play. I want to win every time I step on the pitch. And I know how frustrating it is to be playing with the Sunday League equivalent of Eric Dyer, which is probably just Eric Dyer, to be fair. But you don't just quit on your team, Con. You do what I do. Whatever the professional footballer parallel of stop texting somebody is, like whatever the Premier League approach to waiting for your brother to move to Dublin is, like I'd much rather win, try to win the League Cup with Villa than walk walk the Bundesliga with Bayern. Like I, I didn't realize I was still so affected by Grealish apparently, but we all know how class Kane is because his place in history is not going to be altered one iota by winning the Bundesliga. It only counts if he wins the Champions League. Then. Well, it brings me great, great pleasure to give you information that I think might have passed you by tonight because Harry Kane rushed through his move to Bayern Munich. He was in the matchday squad for their Super Cup today. Harry Kane was going to get that trophy out of the way very, very fucking quickly. Bayern Munich nil, RB Leipzig three. <laughs> Get on the memes, Conan. Get on the memes. Get on the second half. They were 2 0 down. They ended up losing 3 0. So the wait goes on for the trophy and for Hurricane to prove that he is a good footballer. He's going to have to go and win, <laughs> win that Bundesliga to get that cup in the bank. That would be brilliant though if Bristol Dortmund did go on to win it. But... <laughs> anyway, look, we'll leave that there. Good to be back. It's like we've never been away. Let's uh, just. Continue the rest of the season now by trying to climb out of bottom of the table, trying to climb out of the relegation zone from there on, trying to get back into the top ten. Look, it's like we're, it's like it's the last three seasons all over again. Here we are, season four. It's like, <laughs> it's like the rest of them. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 